Yeah, that's right. It's the Mole Patrol. We back. That's it. We're back. We're back, Jess. We're back. Zed, hi. Hello. No. Guess what? Charlie's not back. Charlie's he gone was. this week. It's over. He, they got me. They finally got me. I failed the test. Those meddling kids. Those meddling kids. I almost pulled it off, but that unholy trinity got me. Charlie is off the show, and then there were three. Oh, I don't want to skip past Anderson Cooper's incredible Kate went home green hair and all the mole has no mercy. And then there were four because that is definitely the best Anderson Cooper open of the season so far. Green hair and all. He, he's really he's really building an oeuvre there. And I him. <laughs> it is very, very good. Hi, everybody. We're back uh, after after some time away after a spoilerific podcast. That I hope you only listened to if you've seen the mole before. I only watched with the sound off uh, as you two were podcasting live. Justin said, seems like you were having a great time. We yeah, did. every time and we started totally laughing. by your messages. Yeah, I was like the ghost of the machine. We've got the chat functionality. How did that play? Because I'll never go and listen to it until I'm done with the mole. How did it play, uh, Jess, for the, for the audio? Did it work? Um, I don't think we didn't get any complaints. Okay. So I'm going to say it was fine. Okay. Because we have a devoted audience. I will tell you, if there's something wrong with our file, we find out in minutes oh, after posting yeah. it. And indeed, there was last week. And I want to give a shout out to our pal Bryce, who spotted it immediately and raised the alarm. And we were able to fix it. And nothing bad happened. Everybody is okay. And we can proceed forward. Hiche, hiche. Let's keep moving. <laughs> EJ, let's keep going as we are uh, we're entering the final four this week on the mole season one episode seven we've already spoiled the outcome of the episode because how can you not how can you not just talk about what's just happened here uh so obviously i know nothing beyond this point but we are we are looking at a final three of Catherine, jim and steven one of whom will win one of whom is the mole this feels like a pretty happy, I, I know we're skipping to the end a little bit, but like, this feels like a pretty happy group of final three. The Alliance made it. That they did. Good for them. Yeah. They all seem to like each other a lot. They break the rules past bedtime together. Uh, sometimes they, they break the rules past bedtime. And then here in this episode, you see all four of them in a hotel room together well, maybe they figure, yeah, maybe they figure if no one's being excluded from the club, uh, that it's it's fair game to to have everybody in the hotel after hours. Like so they can have you, a if we all rise up and break the rules together, right? Then the rules mm-hmm. cease to exist. There's, well, there's it's one of these things. It's the there. same reason that Amazing Race stopped doing the thing where they were allowed to eat, sleep, and mingle. Because if the contestants talk to each other when the cameras are not rolling, something could happen that influences the game and you don't have it on film. So I feel like if they're all four in the bed together and it's being filmed, there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, um, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely not. Maybe not family friendly, but nothing wrong with it necessarily, as long as everyone's a consenting adult. Uh and I feel like all they need is like, come on, we want to hang out with each other. Bring a camera person. Bring Rod. We like Rod. Rod can hang out. Rod can film us. You get coverage. We get to cut each other's hair. We get to have a great time. Uh, it seemed like whoever pitched that, it it worked. 
but we have we have an episode to discuss here where we're gonna we're gonna begin. I feel like the previously on really does put front and center this idea of um, uh, you know the alliance of Catherine and Jim and Stephen having pushed them to this point in the game. And even though they don't say the a word because perhaps it is uh, it is too much the the the, the sovereign of uh, of survivor at this point. I believe it is. Is it Jim who says a pooling of resources for mutual benefit? It doesn't quite have the same mouthfeel as Alliance. Yeah. Well, you have Stephen trying out a few things too. You have him saying, "Well, it's a coalition or a conspiracy, if mm-hmm. you will." Yeah. Conspiracy might work. It seems molish, Zed. I don't know. Does the mole ever like come up with a better uh, phrase for an alliance than? pooling of resources for mutual benefit i don't i don't like, think so even, i mean i think they, they that as an a coalition eventually yeah uh, when you get to word of choice yeah. yeah when you get to season two they throw the word coalition around yeah. the same way that survivor throws around alliance yeah and it really it's an extra syllable it never rolls off the tongue and you can just feel like Every time they said alliance, they had to stop the camera and be like, can you say that again, but use the word coalition? Yeah, it's not our show. We can't use that. Yeah, stop trying to make fetch happen, guys. It never ends. Uh, A mistrust cluster. (laughs) (laughs) Could we call it like a burrow? Yeah. A burrow because of the ball. Yes, you're all sharing the burrow. Uh, Yeah, I like that. I like a warren. Yeah, a warren is good. I think that's (laughs) Uh, Don't need to explain my art to you, Warren. Yes. <laughs> so, we're, so we're reminded at the top of this episode that Catherine and Jim and Steven are all pals. And it's nice to be reminded of that because this is going to be an episode where the three of them will find success and Charlie will not. This will be the end of the adversary. Uh, this will be the, the finish for, for Charlie. Uh, he gets the first quote of the episode other than Andy Coop's. Uh, where he says the remaining people did 28 to 29 to 30, the younger than three of my four children. How old's the fourth? He's one. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> one years old. No, he's been married to his wife for all those years. Remember? Does his wife know about all the children? It was a miracle. Bernadette and I weren't expecting. <laughs> we were ble- Bernadette and I were blessed with this one-year-old child. Uh, I'm really sorry, everybody. That's tough. You got to start in. going off about like diapers and stuff. <laughs> tough to put in all of our heads. Uh, I guess Catherine has been saying goodbye to everybody every single round. I feel like you know she says like people seem to be annoyed by that. I feel like that's courteous, right? You know, you don't seem to get to have the opportunity, Zed, when the when the execution is done to actually say goodbye to anybody. So wouldn't you want to say bye to your friends before each round preemptively, just in case? Yeah. And I think that has to be like a weighing stress all the time of you don't know when somebody's going to go and who it's going to be because you don't discuss it and plan for it the way that you might on Survivor. And in that same context, you know, you don't get to go around and hug everybody before you walk out the door. It's get up and your bag is going to be valeted by Anderson Cooper. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of things. There are no goodbyes. There are no hugs. There are no parting words. Should you get to say something after your torch is snuffed? We don't know. But uh, 
it's definitely a different dynamic. I just, uh, we do this as a video uh, recording. I just watched, Jess, I just watched your eyes arch as if maybe someday something like that, some sort of words from beyond the grave may happen in a future episode of The Mole and perhaps it's something to look out for. But I don't want to read into anything too much. I, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just going to say maybe my eyebrows went up with the thought of if I was ever on the mole, I might have to do one of those Sarah Dawson-esque accostings of the host on my way out the door. <laughs> oh, man. Don't say that. If he's listening, Andy Coops isn't going to come on the podcast. Andy Coops knows how I feel about it. We're he's known that for 20 years. Andy Coops. By name for 20 years. Oh, my God. Uh, if, you, if you ever meet Andy Coops and you're like, hey, I know Jessica Lee, he's going to be like, cool. I know her, too. I promise. Anybody out there listening, you have my permission Diet. to do that. Drop my name. He knows who I am. If I ever get the chance to interview Anderson Cooper, it will be among the, the, the very first things I say. <laughs> It absolutely will be. I, I believe it. A thousand percent. I promise you. Uh, so everybody's like kind of just like meditating on stuff. That's what Catherine's talking about. Steven's like, how far do you take this? Uh, yeah, again, if Steven's the mole, this is like agonizing. Like he is the least happy mole on the planet, uh, which kind of makes me hope that he is the mole. Right now I'm in a place where I, it, for me, it can really only be him or Catherine. Jim, it would just be way too obvious. Uh, so Catherine's who I've been predicting all along. Um, Steven, I think, is the only other option. And I imagine him as a self-loathing mole could be a very, very satisfying finish. Uh, but Jim goes, oh, what if Steve is tricking me? What if, what if, what if the clouds come down and start attacking the earth? What if, what if? And I'm like, Jim, that is way too effing casual. If the clouds become sentient and start invading earth and tearing us apart. I know that in 2020, that sounds plausible, but... That is something you want to raise an eyebrow at, sir. Terrifying. Yeah, I, I, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it a bit. I'd be very nervous about that. So, uh, but it, this is just going to the point of like, it's a game, man. Um, all right, let's go to San Lucar. We need to divide the group of four into two, uh, two groups. One is the group that is artistic. And one is the group that can count to at least 751. Uh, and uh, this, is, uh, this is contentious. Uh, Steve and Charlie want to be the counties, uh, as Jim describes them. But so does Catherine. She doesn't want to be part of the art squad. She doesn't have a choice. Nope, she gets railroaded. She gets drag- dragged onto the, onto the, onto the art team. But with, in with fairness, you. can you picture either Charlie or Steve being artistic? Um, no, I really can't. I have a hard time envisioning that. Um, but I want to. I wanted to see that. I really did, especially once we find out what the. Although it's difficult, Jess, because Steve and Charlie on the Sheep Squad is such a fun time. Uh, that I would hate to lose that. But Steve and Charlie as the artists would also have been incredible. Actually, I'm a pretty good potter. I've spent a decent amount of time spinning the wheel. Like I, I, I would have enjoyed seeing Charlie try his hand at fitting in with the museum. Um, but he's, he and Steven are going to insist, we're the counties, we're going to do the counting. Uh, Charlie is very confident in their ability to count. He's like, well, between our four hands, we can count to 20 at least. 
if we include our, our toes, that's up to 40. So we're going to be pretty good at this one. Um, there's a great moment where Charlie and Steven are now driving because this is when we are uh, clued into the fact that their job will at least in part involve sheep. One assumes counting them as well. Uh, and Charlie sees the sheep and he's just, I've never seen so many sheep. Oh, my God. This is such a marvelous amount of sheep. I must love be at this. least 751 of them. Unbelievable, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about this several times, but we need to start with, oh my God, he says 751, and then they ask you for a number. You should say 751 as your first guess. Unbelievable that, you know, what they are going to do is, so their job is to corral all of these sheep into a, into a, Corral. Yes. yes. <laughs> well spotted, Josh. Did I do it? Yes. Yeah. Stupid team. Uh, so they're going to corral all the sheep into the corral for 20,000 bucks. And then you get an additional 10K if you can count all the sheep. And they will ultimately decide, like, ah, Charlie goes, they can count themselves. Uh, will be like the official company line. And I don't think that that's a terrible strategy, but like, if if that's going to be, and you have like two shots at a guess, right? It seems like they had two shots at a guess between and Steven no and Charlie. And penalty if you're wrong, as far as I can right. tell. You gotta pick the number that Andy Coop said! How do you not pick the number that Anderson Cooper said as one of your two guesses in case he's being cheeky? Which he was! You idiots! He's never not being cheeky! He's always yeah. cheeky! And I just want to point out one other thing. They cut over to the art gallery task and they show Jim like looking at a piece of art and he says 751 so funny so funny uh, in the moment that was really funny where like because Jim and Jim and Catherine are both like not excited to be on the art squad they're both nervous about it uh Jim like is like I'm a terrible artist like yeah, I just <laughs> want to say that in front of anybody uh and they go they walk in and they see the thing and yeah, like Jim literally just like struts right up to Andy Coops and goes, 751, done! Like he knows that's what you do! He knew it! He knew what the move was for the counties! But I think he says, and I think he's right, he's like, that number was nowhere in Charlie's head anymore. It was gone. long gone. It, it should have been in Steve's. Yes, agreed. 100% agreed. How old is your fifth child? 751. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just didn't know. Um, what's there to say about the Steve and Charlie stuff? I mean, it is majestic. They have their choice of three dogs. I forget like the reasoning for why they go with the small brown dog. Well, it's because the sheep dog is traditionally not a herding dog. Right. And the German shepherd is not something they've ever heard of herding sheep. It's right there in the oh, name. Shepherd. Shepherd. You fools! It's not, a, it's not a German goat herd. Anderson Cooper is such a good narrator uh, where he's explaining like they have like two of the dogs are useless. One is not. Uh, and then they like cut to like Steven and Charlie giving like the very long convoluted reason for why they've picked the mutt. And then they keep going with the mutt and you just hear Anderson Cooper go, they picked the wrong dog. <laughs> this 
this dog is useless. This dog like, is useless. Boy, I hope this dog doesn't watch the show. Oh, it's so great. There's this great music that's playing underneath this whole thing, too, that sounds like uh, from Nightmare Before Christmas. What's this? What's this? Yeah. Like, that's like what's brimming underneath like the whole thing. Lapse, mm-hmm. sped up video, and Steven just like waving his arms in the middle of the field. Oh, my God. And so Charlie apparently knows how to herd sheep uh he in one of the you know when he was in the library the other week uh must have come across the 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 necromonicon the book of the dead and (laughs) learned the summoning spell for how to speak to sheep hitche 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 like that is the spell it's the magic word uh, like Pee Wee's Playhouse, the sheep go wild, and they decide, like, oh, okay, we'll listen to this guy. Yes, dude knows, knows what he's talking about. Is this a thing? It maybe it is in Spain. I don't know. Uh, hold on, I'm going to translate anywhere this. else. But I'd also never heard Pie Pie before <laughs> we got to riding elephants. In that's the a fair States, point. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, Hitche, Hitche. Yeah, he just keeps saying it over and over again, and, and you know, to Charlie's credit, it's working. He's, he's getting the, the and the dog certainly isn't doing much. Uh, Stephen is not impressed with Charlie for a while because, like, he's a- actually like trying to lead the sheep win, and it seems like Charlie's just like repeating this one yeah, word over. And, is that from when you got hit by the bull? Are you okay, man? Like, you I right? I just want to. Give a preemptive thanks to whatever uh, fluent in Spanish and yes. or expert, expert sheep herder listener who's going to furiously be typing right now <laughs> to correct us on why he was saying that and what it means. So yeah. thanks in advance. We do want to know. We're one of the lucky 10,000. Yes. Uh, I also want to note that uh, when they get to the counting, Charlie tries to get help from the sheep herder. Or yes. whatever that guy's job is, who's holding the German Shepherd uh, and is asking him questions uh, and does not believe that this man does not speak English. <laughs> is it like, suspicious? Not, not possible. Is it suspicious that they just kept the German Shepherd around? Like they took the sheepdog out of there. The other guy's just <laughs> hanging out there with the German Shepherd. It's like, oh, is this the dog you keep around in case of emergency? In case well, one yeah, of you really right. loses the sheep? Exactly. That's that what was a, a cop would think. Yeah, but he got it wrong. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't get it. It's the uh, first time anyone's ever accused me of thinking like a cop. I know. <laughs> yeah, undercover Jess. Uh, also, in this segment, we well, and throughout this episode, we hear the word law enforcement. More so times yeah. in one episode of television that is not actually about police than possibly any other program on television. Yeah, Stephen doesn't yeah. want us to remember that. He's like, I oh, forget that. No, I'm part of the unholy trinity. Yeah. No cop alliance. What? Yeah. No. What are you talking about? Yeah, maybe instead of playing Mary Had a Little Lamb underneath this whole <laughs> sequence, they should have been playing uh, Bad Boys. Oh, yeah. Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. off for somebody. Oh, wow. That's very good. Uh, they get them, though. You know, to their credit, they get them. They round up all the sheep. Uh, call your cousins. Get your cousins here. Call your cousins that are over there. Uh, and with their magical telepath, telepathic, tele, telepathy, telepathic, telepathic, telepathetic okay. is what that was. <laughs> you had a stroke. Heche, heche, anemone next. Anemone, anemone, anemone. Oh, God, that could have gone bad very quickly. They get the sheep. 
telepathically communicate with one another. Well, they have a bell too, so it's no, not totally telepathic. That's what the bell does. Sheepball go in. Uh, Charlie, to his credit, has a great like, go to sleep. We're going to count you now. It's <laughs> <laughs> not I, how it works. That's not how any of this works. I will, I will greatly miss Charlie, the television character, uh, the f- fodder of incredible, uh, incredible material. Uh, if they're going to cut their losses and just let the sheep count themselves, which is, I, I think like, you know, at, it seems like they had an hour to do this, right? They had an hour to, to wrangle all the sheep. Um, and if that's the case, they're probably getting close to the bell. They could try, or they could just be like, we'll just take a guess. And that's good if you were guessing one of the numbers that Anderson Cooper told you. I hope all future mole contestants from this season onward pay really close attention to whatever, whether it's Anderson Cooper or whoever the, the, the Anderson Cooper successors. Uh, you have to, you have to listen to what they're saying. Every single detail is a potential clue, no? You really do. It's it's paramount. And I think people get better at it as time goes on. But sometimes you really wonder. All right. So the art challenge is fun. Uh, So Jim and Catherine, they're going to this this art gallery where they have to make a work of art that looks like it would be displayed in this gallery. Is that how would we describe uh this art or Jess, we've we've briefly lost Zed for, for a moment in time. Jess, how would we how would we describe the art that we see in this museum? Um this is a bunch of conceptual art cobbled together from everyday household objects. Yeah. And it is it is kind of strange, but I guess I have been to the Whitney enough times that it doesn't really phase me. Mm-hmm. Or any gallery like, in Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Zed has returned. Zed, I was about to ask you how how would you describe the art we see in this gallery? Well, it's very disparate. Uh, some of it is very like concrete and physical and made out of objects, and is like something you would see. We went to a, an exhibit at. Uh, the Guggenheim once, and my dad was furious with the things that we were looking at. <laughs> there, was a, there was a guard standing near a crate, and we couldn't tell if the crate was the art or if the art was in the crate. Um, a lot of the pieces box is box. Box is box. It's exactly correct. Uh, and so several of the pieces Jim felt that way. That. Yes. yes, I believe it was the great Jim. Yeah. Jim Morrison once yeah. said, box is box. Um, but then there are pieces hung on the wall in frames that feel very separate from the other kinds of art in this gallery. Um, I thought it was really interesting that the critics said their piece felt the most active. That was a really interesting word. To well, because uh, it's, an, you know, there does seem to be there is as much as you can, like, assign movement to a piece like this there is there is like something kinetic about what they come up with they come up with this oh, box sure. that has a rope tied around a boxing glove that says charlie on it and like the goal is to make the one that like uh the critic is is not going like the critic is gonna be like all right that's the fake uh they're not gonna go on red ship and point out the fi- that's an animal crossing reference uh okay. just to just to put it out there it's just, for you. So, it's just it's literally just for me anyone else anyone 
Raise the flag. Let me know. Uh, How many people started playing Animal Crossing just because you've been playing it all summer? I have no idea. Hopefully a thousand at least. That would be They all want to come visit your island Uh, that I've heard so much about and will never see. uh, Well, let me just uh, quickly pull up. uh, Do I have the dream code handy? Because I could tell you. I could tell you where you can. Where you can find no, I don't have any Andy. Oh wait, oh I think I just flashed past it. Hang on, did I? Did I yeah, I did, baby. All right, that's DA four six eight six one two four five seven two seven four. Come to the island. That's how Am you I have find a stroke? me. That's how you do it. That's how you find it. But the box has a boxing glove attached to the box and a rope, and it says Charlie on it. And if the goal is to like fool the critic into not thinking that you have the fake one, maybe you don't have like the name of one of the contestants on it. But I guess like you're now assuming that the critics are read in on the names of the contestants. Right? The, Charlie the, did not. Charlie did not clue in the art critic or the people who <laughs> did know Charlie's name, including Charlie. I mean, like, if that was the if if the goal of the assignment, because I don't think that they know it at the time that they could earn an additional 10K if Charlie and Steven find the thing um, is is like, okay, well, we're also going to need like one of our friends to to find the thing. Uh, Then this is a good strategy. But you're also taking into account, Jess, that we're talking about somebody who has like sort of like the game savviness that clearly a Charlie does not possess. (laughs) Yeah, if they had boxing gloves that said Steve on them, I think yeah. that would be a different story. I know. Well, to be determined on that, I suppose. But even then, yeah. I'm not, although he is, he's convincing me. I, I can definitely see the world that we live in where we have like a very like sad, like, I wish I wasn't the mole, mole Steve. I do. I like I'm starting to see that as a as a picture. And, and I love it if that's where we're going. Hashtag um, self-loathing mole. <laughs> self-loathing mole, I think, is totally, totally possible and really, really fun if that's where we ended up being. Um, so, yeah, they're working and. This is probably short of the baguette, uh, the the most uh, unbegettable day of Anderson Cooper's job <laughs> on on the mall, or at least like his favorite day, where he's just sitting watching uh, watching Jim and Catherine try to create art. He is just like, you know, he's not playing basketball, but he's dunking on these fools nonetheless. Of <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, I heard Picasso found most of his art in the city dump. Like he is just loving bagging on these people. I'm like, what do you want us to do, Anderson? This is a tough challenge. Yeah, we're following your instructions, dude. Yeah. What is he's like this like if we do it like this, it's like a man climbing out of a box. And Anderson goes, it to me it speaks of desperation. And Jim's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it it speaks of your desperation. Yes, exactly. It's coming through in our art. It's well so, did we so think funny. that did we think that the box was the right call? Uh, what did you guys think of the other two projects? Do you think maybe the chair with the book leg or the smashed glass with the book pages? Um, are these anti-intellectual statements here and maybe not quite for this audience? I I feel like I'd, I'd love to go around the horn in terms of like what strategies would make sense on a challenge like this. But I kind of feel like you want to be you want to blend in. I feel like the box really stood out. I th- I think that like the the smashed glass one may have gotten passed over. But how is that not also very active? 
Well, because it's mostly just like messages behind like a glass, you know, like a broken glass window. Like I feel like you would look at that and it's pretty flat. I think that I think that my eyes would glaze over that one. I don't think that I would spend too much time like reading the content of the stuff. And I actually think like maybe even like the fact that there's so much content to read, like would I be like looking for some kind of narrative or something? I don't know. I, I feel like I would I would look that over. I would I would spend more time looking at like the inspector gadget boxing glove gag, you know, like that feels more to me like, huh, you know, I would at least be looking at that for longer than I feel like I'd be looking at the, the reading class. So you think the strategy is to be boring? Yeah. I do. That's probably right. It's funny to me because in the theater school program that I went to, I had to do a lot of projects like this where I was thrown together with a couple of people and we had 45 minutes to make a thing and then present it to the class, whether that was a a physical display like this or some other creative endeavor. Uh, And I wonder if they had too much time. I think they had three hours and I wonder if that was too much time and they were able to overthink it. And which is not to say that the jewels wouldn't have been added anyway, if they'd had less time. Uh, But the, let me add that one more thing rather than look in the mirror and take one thing away is probably part of the issue. Yeah. And it really felt like the jewels were kind of the nail in the coffin for this thing because it really, they were so incongruous with the rest of the piece. I think they might have even gotten away with it if they hadn't put the jewels there. Although putting the jewels there is kind of, (laughs) hear me out, this is kind of an anti-capitalist statement. Mm. Like it's really a commentary on our desperate search for more material goods. Catherine says, I love that what they're reaching for is just like broken and crappy. And I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And you still can't reach it. And even if you did, you wouldn't be happy. I call this piece the American dream. Uh (laughs) (laughs) American dream. Uh, You know, it may have convinced it may have convinced any of us if we had seen it. Uh, We may have thought that it belonged in that museum. But sadly for for Jim and Catherine, they are unable to outfox Lorna Scott Fox, the art critic uh, who shows up and totally figures it out. Uh, it's a victory for art, a loss for the the mole patrol. And Not- can I just say my very favorite thing about this whole art critic se- sequence is the very patronizing way she praises their effort. She's like, <laughs> I really liked it, though. It's really great. I think you did a good job. Unnecessary. <laughs> Unnecessary. But I think art being active is more interesting than art being passive, personally. Yeah, it's true. She didn't necessarily say active as a good or bad thing, but I see it as more interesting for art to be active than passive. It is really funny where it's like, you don't have to... You don't have to dole the blade here. We're not artists. Box, <laughs> You're you know? not hurting our personal pride. Feel free to just like hack right away. Yeah. Maybe to, right now is a good time to note that um, my mother-in-law is a, is an abstract artist very much along the lines of what is here in this gallery. And she does a lot of found object sculpture. So I've been to multiple shows that looked exactly like this one. I feel like that doesn't make me a Lorna Scott Fox here, but sure, I but who think is? I would have been okay at either end of this task. Yeah, I think this is probably the time for me to disclose that Lorna Scott Fox is uh, Emily's uh, great aunt. 
<laughs> Great time. Yes. 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 Well, you have to remember that this was 2000. 20 years ago. Uh, fair, fair, fair. Yeah, it was, it was a while back. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I don't think, I don't think you can call me an artist because I've been making tough as nails fan art for <laughs> the amusement of <laughs> Phil Kogan. <laughs> I don't know. Really. And I, Mike Bloom tattoo designs. I feel like we can call you yes. an artist for sure. Yeah, uh, Mike Bloom tattoo designs and like fan art with a very specific audience of thirteen people. <laughs> I th- I think in this in this the context of this podcast we'd want you as one of the counties, uh, you know. But I think you could also be on the art squad, and I think you do quite well. I think I'd probably be on the art squad and complain about not getting to count like Catherine yeah, did. I think that's right. <laughs> so here come Charlie and Steven, and they get to step into the critic job, and they can uh, add twenty thousand to the pot. If they uh, if they can identify which one their colleagues created, uh, Charlie says something about the orange rug. I have it smudged out in my notes. I can't can't quite read. Yeah, um, it it it's made out of the the orange or lemon slices. It's fruity, so that could be. Ah, uh, that's what it was, Charlie. You jerk, bad Charlie. Yeah, you know that gif of Chrissy Teigen making the cringe face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jim I have, is like, Jim's ready to hop through his own TV and strangle Charlie, which yeah. is amazing because he's downstairs. Let's so go. my question about this is that, did this make it to air because it was 2000? And as we've discussed before, maybe they didn't necessarily know where the line of appropriate was. Or was it just because the line was on the other side of this in 2000? Hmm. Well, I think it's interesting because clearly Charlie and Jim get along as well as Charlie gets along with anybody on this show. Charlie does not actively dislike Jim because he's gay, but there is still this like prevailing sort of subversive homophobia that exists, whether you are actively homophobic or not. We could call this a microaggression. Uh, And he says, he says, when Jim comes down, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were upstairs. Right. You were around. I wouldn't have said this. Mm -hmm. But that's not the point. The point is how you speak about people who are not like you when they are not around. Uh, And there's your your social lesson for the day, everybody. They get to a point where. All right. Well, I can't decide whether it's the noose or the bread. We may may as well flip a coin. You lose either way, guys. It's over. Also, it was 751 sheep, you moron. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Uh, so when this is all done, sheep was a success. Art was not. Score, score one for the counties. Uh, Jim gets a haircut. And sadly, uh, his, some damage to his hairline uh, occurs in the process. I'm really surprised they let this fly on this show because at that point you cannot splice in later comments from Jim into out of sequence because he is now, he now looks very different from how he did before. Mm -hmm. This is like on Top Chef when you have like someone is doing a confessional and they very clearly look like how they're going to look in sort of like the finals section, because like they'll take like a month off between filming before they go to Mexico or to like Denver or wherever the hell they're going. That's not where they are for the bulk of the shoot. And they look really different. 
Or like when Survivor does sloppy editing and someone like Ozzy has a beard, even though it's day <laughs> one and he clearly shouldn't have a beard yet. So, or they so, digitally oh, yeah. change the merge buff color. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or they forget to digitally change yes. a swap buff. Uh, something something like that. Uh, but it's at least it's just like in the context of this one episode. Because uh, it doesn't seem... I, I haven't... like. I think you see like some gym confessionals before you see the haircut. And it's very notable that his hair has been cut. Um, and so like that, like, ping, like the radar is going off immediately. But it's all just like within the context of the episode. So at least, you know, it doesn't. I did wonder why didn't they dye his hair green? <laughs> there was no money on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a day off. Everyone's got a day off. And Rhonda, I feel like, help me, Rhonda, is a, is a, would be a mole patrol wand off. Should it be the Rondoff now? Yeah, hey. Maybe that's our name. We need something useful from the Rhonda sequence. There isn't really anything here. They're going window shopping. It's just like, oh, we don't trust each other. I guess it's good, it's good character building for the unholy trinity because one of these people is the mole. Um, so, like, you know that it is this sort of, like, Catherine's got strategy rolling through her head and Steven's like, oh, I work, I'm promised to work with Jim, blah, 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 blah. Like, there's, there's like... This now it is, it stands revealed to me and to the people watching for the first time that you know the central tension of the season is this trio that has been working together. One of them is not who they say they are. Uh, I guess this scene sort of furthers that. Um, I'll ask you because now that we know that that's the case, right? That's something that we can talk about. One of Kim, Catherine, or Kim, J- Catherine, Jim, or Stephen, if I can speak. One of them is the mole for sure. One of them is the winner for sure. Um, on a rewatch without identifying who it is, does that as like sort of like a thrust of the storyline play? Like, does that, is there, is there like a rewatchability factor to that being something that you've been eyeing as you've been going back and watching this, Jess? I mean, for me, it, it does. I, I'm curious to hear what Zed thinks of this, because for me, I came in, I have not watched this show since it aired, pretty much. Like, I've like dipped in and out a couple of times over the years, but never the whole series in, you know, half my life ago. Um, so for me, it does, because I kind of had these vague recollections of things that happened and remembering that kind of end game. And I was able to sort of track it a little bit, but I don't know if I had been like this into the mole for 20 years. A, that's kind of not okay. And B, I don't know how that would have tracked um, for me. I don't know how it tracks to know the details of it and go and watch it again. Yeah. Zed, do you have any recollection on that? Um, I've watched knowing that we come down to these three people, I've certainly watched their relationship grow and evolve over time. Um, I think you see it more between Jim and Steven than you see it. Well, you see it between Catherine and Steven when they're on the resourceful team together in particular, accusing each other of being the mole that many episodes ago. Um, But I think also because Jim is such good friends with Jennifer and Steven has this relationship with Charlie. We don't really see them come together as a trio 
as much until maybe the episode before this, because it's the three of them and then the two older people. Um, but it's almost more like the dynamics are shown to us from that regard of the age difference more than it is that the three of them have been friends this whole time and have been working together so consistently. Yeah. Kind of mirrors our friendship, right? You know, uh, there's three of them, three of us. Yeah. One, one, of us, one of us is the mole. One of them <laughs> is the mole. It's good. I like it. Always enjoy that kind of symmetry. Um, all right. We got it. It's time to make a list. Uh, you're going to, you're going to, much like the others crafted for, for, for Hurley, James, Jack, and Kate, it's time to write a list. Uh, and at the top, you, it's the player you want executed the most. And at the bottom, it's the player you want executed the least. And you want to uh, submit those votes into an earned, sorry, tribal council lingo. Don't want to use that. Uh, but it is a vase and you're voting and it's basically tribal. Um, With this dramatic shot and yeah. like a dun 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 underneath it. It's tribal council. It's basically I was tribal. waiting for someone to knock that thing over and have it fall off the wall and shatter. That would have been amazing. Who's to say that it didn't? Or did they not say, like, at the very end, they would have been like, the, the original urn uh, fell off the side of the castle. I just wanted to be really upfront about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like the over-explaining, like, that was bad, we did that. Games um, were at a different time, the yeah. vase fell over, and we had to replace it with another one. So sorry, we got it from the art museum. Um, Anderson comes back, and he's like, all right, so I've got the results. I'm not interested in who you said uh, should be executed most. Charlie's like, who was it? I would like to know. <laughs> who did if they say they wanted executed most? It was you. Uh, so the person they most want to remain in the game uh, is going to be uh, voted into this exciting role of being uh, like the, the person who must like gently guide you toward your death. Uh, like here you're going to have a blindfold and I'm going to take you gingerly by the hand and walk you to your demise and, and if I succeed I will win exemption and $60,000 and everybody said Steve right seems like it he's the one who who you know I, I think the fact that they didn't need to do a revote of any kind uh, means that at least uh, yeah because I assume that everybody what I would assume is that he got uh, second from the bottom from everybody except for himself, right? Because uh, I assume that you would put yourself as the person you most want to remain in the game. I don't think you're allowed to vote for yourself. Well, then Steven. Steven's got it. Clean sweep, for sure. Otherwise, if you can't vote for yourself, I'd vote for me, personally. If it was me, it's like, I want to stay here more than Steven. Given what Steven's they're trying to get this vote to do, I'm going to hazard yeah. a guess they were told that oh, they were not eligible for their own ranking. Yeah. Wait, the vote is four to nothing, Steven? Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Alright, so he's got to convince somebody to withstand a knife thrower, convince somebody else to walk on hot coals, and convince somebody else to walk the plank over a 100-foot ravine. Um, this is fun, watching Steven, like, Gently try and coerce people into doing these death-defying acts that he knows aren't actually death-defying, except in one case, it's actually you know relatively scary and dangerous. In the case of what happens with Charlie, that's actually pretty scary. It's like what if the bungee cord snaps? To be blindfolded and fall even with a bungee cord would be the worst. Uh, but the knife thing is fine. No one's actually getting a knife thrown at them. It's like. 
I don't even know why they bother to like, you know, sink the knife into the board behind Catherine at the end. Is it just to just for dramatic effect? For um, the record, also, if you're a trained knife thrower, that is very safe. Like actually throwing a knife at a board is an act I've seen plenty of people do at Red Fairs, as we've mentioned before. That's a place they used to work. Um, so it's funny to me that he didn't even do it because as a professional knife, or in this case, axe thrower, I would expect he could very safely throw a knife at the board and hit anywhere on that board that is not Catherine. For sure. I believe that. Uh, Catherine was selected specifically because she has told Stephen and others this story about Mr. Boop, who uh, was her fourth grade teacher who used to throw darts at her. Can we just please, um, in my head canon, can we just make this official that uh, Catherine's fourth grade teacher was named like Mr. Fuckhead or something? Yeah. (laughs) I had a teacher in high school whose last name was fucking F-E-C-K-I-N-G. And we called him Mr. F for obvious reasons, but that is exactly what I hear in my brain when they beep out this person's name, presumably for privacy reasons, I guess. Yeah, well, because like if we find out who this person is, we're getting them fired for throwing darts at fourth graders for sure. By looking him up in the white pages of the phone book in the year 2001. Yeah, in my mind, in my, in my mind, I was going, Mr. F. So, uh, <laughs> it definitely works. It definitely works. But yeah, I, you have to imagine like, ABC was just like, we could destroy this person. <laughs> But we shall choose not to exercise that power. Uh, or maybe and again, if this had aired in 2020, somebody would have gone on like classmates.com, found out where Catherine went to school, and like dug in and found male fourth grade teachers in that school and narrowed it down and narrowed it down and like gotten this guy canceled. Jessica.com. Like, like slash R slash the mole would have been on this. <laughs> yes, I got to tell you, it is 2020. And you know, who knows? Who knows what someone can do at this point? Please don't hassle this dude that uh, threw a we knife at want Catherine Anderson Cooper. We don't ago. want Mr. F. Yeah, uh, funnel this energy of your time in the internet. <gasps> funnel Wait. this energy into getting Andy Coops. What if it was Anderson Cooper and that's why they redacted it? Anderson Cooper was the teacher. Time traveling Mr. F. That would be great television. Uh, Trying to do the math here. Yeah. <laughs> This is Maybe. why he's looked the same age for so long. Yeah, just the steady effect of he's time. A vampire. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a dart throwing vampire. Do you think Catherine's like? I can't believe that this is becoming part of the actual narrative of the show. Redact this person's name. You can't say this person's name. And then she looks at them very seriously, like because I'm gonna get him. And this is like the <laughs> whole reason why she's gone into the into being a lawyer. It's like. This is her destiny. She's not going to let the mole interfere with her quest against Mr. F. She carries a case of darts on her at all times. <laughs> yeah. In like a holster on her thigh. Catherine passes out. Catherine passes out at one point. She's uh, either like, oh my God, this is very severe or very hilarious mole behavior. Once again, if this is mole behavior, uh, that's a very funny idea to me that the mole just sometimes like backed into a corner, just like I'm gonna pass out, I'll just like drop dead and see if that gets me out of the thing. Like Troy and Abed, like just 
just yes. like, yep. just playing possum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> playing, yeah, the mole playing possum. Maybe the show um, should have been called The Possum. There is zero drama involved with Jim. Jim's because I think on on two uh, a few levels at least like Jim trusts Steve that's what he tells him I trust you dude I love you dude uh, but also I think like Jim is so game to play um, I really like I, I maybe this is very foolish of me that I am not e- even considering I think Jim's going to be the winner I think Jim is the winner is what I'm feeling at this point he is such the game bot like if he's the mole, then like they gave us like the mole is just like the shiftiest guy the whole time. And I just don't think that that's what they're doing, but maybe, I don't know. Um, but I, I think like from the game perspective, he, he knows that he's probably going to be fine. If he just plays along, that this is something like, if it's like, here's a blindfold walk on coals. I think he feels like I'm probably not going to be severely injured by doing this. So he just doesn't, um, there's really no drama there. The drama comes in with Charlie, who has the the dilemma of, well, Steve, let me tell you exactly what's going on here. And the audience, you better listen up as well, because I'd like to explain to you the stakes of the moment. The stakes of the moment are uh, Catherine did the thing. So since Catherine did the thing, uh, and if only Catherine doesn't, I don't know if Jim did it or not. Catherine gets exempt. No money for us if I don't do it. If I if we get two, we get the money. Steve, no exemption. If the three of us do, we get the money. Steve gets exemption. And Stephen, what I'm trying to figure out right now is is whether or not Jim completed it. And Steve's like, I can't tell. He's like, I understand that, Stephen. Uh, Jim did this, then there's no reason for me to walk the plank. He's just like narrating the stakes for like a two minute segment before he's like, Yeah, I guess I'll do it. Um, and throughout this whole time, let me point out. Steven has one arm around Charlie's shoulder and with mm-hmm. his other hand is holding Charlie's hand in this like very intimate, very gentle, tender way of like, yep, that's exactly right. I understand what you're saying. You have to make this decision. I hear you. I can't tell you what's going on. All I can tell you is what I would like for you to do. Imagine cops talk like that to people. I mean, I love that this is like striking a blow for toxic masculinity. And, yeah. and imagine if yeah. we saw more moments like this in our mainstream media. I forgot about I really, this. And I was floored. I, I, I love it. It's very intimate. I love Stephen. I have to say, I really love Stephen in like sort of the same way that I love like a Carter from Philippines, where like I like I think like Stephen is like great television in spite of himself. I don't think that like he's like trying to be good TV or anything. He's just like he just sort of has like this really quiet, sweet, like scared, sad energy about him. How you know? does an undercover cop wear his heart on his sleeve so thoroughly? <laughs> he really does. He, he'll cry on camera. Yeah. Maybe he's just feeling very free and releasing a lot of pent up <laughs> feelings and emotions and energy right now that he has to suppress all the time in his work. I mean, Zed, so you're the uh, you're the performer here. Mm-hmm. You you probably understand this a little bit better. Like, is this a thing that actors do that they can mm-hmm. release their emotions like this? It can be, yeah. Uh, I've had roles where it's like the character is very upbeat and happy, and that's like when I get my happy time. And then when I'm not doing that, I have to like relax and hibernate a little bit because all of my energy is going to go into that time. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if 
Stephen is able to compartmentalize, okay, now I'm in work mode and I have no feelings because I have to be a police officer, which is not the approach I would take as a human being, but is a possibility. As, as somebody who has interviewed, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of actors at this point, um, you know, I can tell you that I've never interviewed a single one who has been a diva or, uh, you know, has, has had anything that would lead you to suggest that they're a baby uh, and that they're all very mature adults, but sometimes they play scoundrels and bad people. You know, yeah, for sure. So, this, this problem that we have in front of Charlie is basically the Monty Hall problem, isn't it? It's effectively, well, the thing that's crazy about this one is that they actually do make him walk a plank. They actually do make, like this one, they actually do make him do. Why why is this the one where they're like, the other two are fine, but this one you do have, like, why isn't it him walking over a beam that is like, you know, a foot high? This is also the cheapest one to fake. Yeah, this one requires, what they end up doing does require like, it requires a, a, a bungee cord, a blindfolded ladder climb, both ways, twice. And like a safety professional there holding onto his harness, which is looped over something that we never see. And this is not like when you go on Amazing Race and they're like, you have to jump off this bungee thing at this tourist attraction that is for bungee jumping. <laughs> This is this has to be something like they don't you don't go to the town of Rhonda and do their famous plank walk. It's just a this random is, board hanging off of a building somewhere. Yeah, they rigged this for the or it was just an unsafe thing that was hanging out there. And they do it for the the, the poor old man who as we know is, you know, towards the end of his his life here like they do the <laughs> death defying stunt for this guy. This is so scary. It's so it's such a strange choice. And Charlie, like, the whole time is like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, I hear, noise. I hear the water. I hear the water. They're like, no, it's fine. It's like, like that waterfall. He's at a waterfall. You hear, like, a scary dog barking from, like, the, the below him on the streets. Below? That's the German Shepherd. <laughs> yeah. Jim and, and Catherine, like, I bet he's not going to have to do it. And then they're watching, like, oh, God, he's doing it. Like <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, he's really doing it. The the real thing. Oh my god! And and Steve, I love how Steve is like, all right, rotate your hips, Charlie. Just rotate them a little bit. Like as he gets to the edge of the board, the whole thing is so terrifying to me. Uh, this is one of the scariest moments in the entirety of the mole that I have seen thus far. Uh, and I think probably the scariest stuff is as he's blindfoldedly using the ladder. I think that is what scares me the most. That scares me so much is the idea. For no clear reason. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah, that's a great point. Why not just like walk him straight out? Why does he have to use the ladder? What was it? What is like the sense effect that they're trying to generate here, Jess? I do not know (laughs) and especially since this is clearly something they designed for the show they could have made it any old way they wanted maybe there's like a physics reason this had to be like underneath the rampart or something like that yeah yeah i i i'm at a loss here 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he does it. And so the, he's like, I had full faith and confidence in my fellow law enforcement officer that he would be able to walk me through the plank. I was not scared at any point. Um, so he made it. Steven is exempt. They've made a lot of money on this one. Great success for the team. 490000 bucks in the pot right now. Um, and everyone's happy for Steve. He is exempt. He's not going to have to take the test. Final three, baby. Uh, speaking of which, dinner time. And I just got to say, shrimp's on the menu. Shrimp's <laughs> on the menu. Was that a was that shrimp or was that like a langoustine? That was. I mean, I think that that's a big shrimp if it's a langoustine. No. Well, I think that was a small lobster or a big shrimp. Let's let's go. It was. Let's it was go paella. to the polls. Let's go to the polls. It was a paella for sure because you see a little bit of the 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 calamar and some little tiny clams in there and the saffron rice. The saffron rice is a dead giveaway that this is. A paella, for sure, hundred percent. I do think that the question is: Is this a baby shrimp paella, or a baby lobster paella, or a giant shrimp paella? Yeah, I think that is. I mean, it could have both shrimp and lobster, which I think paella typically does. Yeah, um, I made paella a few weeks ago um, and could not get good shrimp or lobster. I think I used frozen shrimp and wasn't as good, but I definitely didn't want to mess with the lobster. So yeah. I like a paella. Big paella guy. Uh, do you know who doesn't seem to like paella? Charlie's like, I'll have a steak. <laughs> Extremely well done. Yeah. He's eating a hockey puck over there. He's like, has to pick it up and gnaw on it. He also, I noted this about, because uh, I, I did pause down on the dinner table this time. I felt like I really had to, had to take a, a moment. Um, Charlie has like this pillow soft dinner roll that he's just like taking a single bite out of and <laughs> just there in the frame with him in that one bite way for a long time. I like to think that he never finished that dinner roll. They probably wouldn't let him finish it for continuity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cause they're having like a big conversation at that point. I think that that's where we're getting like the Samson hair conversation from Jim. Uh, like by, yeah. did he, by losing his hair, has he lost his mojo? Mr. Mojo Ryzen. Yeah. Can we just say how gross it is to bring out a little baggie of your own hair at dinner? What the weird. hell is wrong with you, Jim? It's weird. So weird. It's weird. Uh, yeah, having it in like a little pouch that you're carrying around with you for luck, that's fine. Just don't show anyone. We don't want to see any of that. Yeah, we don't need to know. Um, all right, so it's time for the test. Steve, this Steven's like going to cry here, you know, uh, like. Uh, these people, there's nothing they wouldn't do for me. And one of them now has to go. Uh, even though it was really funny in, when Catherine tells him, like, I voted you the most trustworthy because I think you're the mole. Like, I don't, <laughs> that's why I wanted to be around. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, the, well, it, but here's the thing is it wasn't, you didn't vote who you trusted the most. You voted who you most wanted to stay in the game. Right. Which, which, right. Are corollary, but not exactly the same. Not they, they probably go together, but they didn't yeah. ask who do you trust the most. They said, "Okay, who do you most want to stay in the game?" Now you trust them the most. Yeah, I, who is the dumbest person left here that you think you can beat on the final quiz? Like you can see, this is not like a survivor formulated game, right? Steven's like, they love me. They trust me the most. I've, I've let them down. 
Oh, God, I hate being the mole, said the self-loathing mole. <laughs> I, as much as I'm, I, I am rooting for myself to be right about Catherine because I've been on the Catherine beat all season long. Um, but I, I think I will prefer the self-loathing mole. It's just such a funnier idea. Um, yeah, so they're all just like kind of talking about all their stuff. Jim has a great line. If I met some good people here, but I've also met some real asses. <laughs> He's talking about one in particular who we're about to lose. Um, execution time. Catherine wants to go first. And let's keep in mind, only three people are eligible here. So Catherine wants to go first. Her name comes up green. Jim goes second. His name comes up green. And like Anderson, I imagine, just like turns and looks at Charlie. And Charlie's like, well, are you going to do my name or what? <laughs> it's like, well... Do we need to? He's like, yeah, I want to see it. It's red, bro. There was, you're the only one left. You're gone. It's over. <laughs> We're going to have a moment like that in one of the celebrity moles where it's down <laughs> to the last person and they know it's them and they sit there and they go, go ahead, type it in. Yeah, that's and fine. That's at exactly you know. how I feel about it. <laughs> Charlie's like shell shocked though, because like he then his name comes up red. And he's just like sitting there for a minute still, and then he like slowly gets up. He's like, "I almost bungee jumped for this." Uh, yeah, so he's done. He has no regrets. These kids, they're sharper than I am. Uh, Stephen is sad. Stephen says he knew it was at stake. He knew he was giving me the exemption, and he says. He committed mole suicide for me. That's a phrase. That's something. That's something for sure. I don't even know if it's true. I don't think Charlie has that level of savvy and self-sacrifice in him. No, I think he's just like, all right, Steve Steve tells me to walk a plank. I walk a plank. That's it. To do for your fellow law enforcement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. we We get our farewell montage, which is getting pwned by a bull and getting called out for sexism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Charlie. And the attractive look of jumping out of a plane, which yeah. is always beautiful on everybody. Uh, I have to admit, I was just like doing like quick note taking at this and not paying close attention to the final montage. Did we see one final shot of Bernadette? Did we yes. see her? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, thank gosh. Thank yep. God. And then she had to, she had to peace out real quick because she's got a one-year-old at home. Yeah, she had to go back to her <laughs> Oh, Bernadette. Oh, oh, Charlie. Charlie! That's it. That's it for Charlie. What a character. Oh, my God. So that's it. And our final three is the final three of friends. And we're happy for them. Catherine, Jim, and Steven. And I'm looking forward to finding out next week. Because we've already said we're going to do this as a double header. Two episodes of the Mole Season 1 left. We're going to do them in one shot. Uh, And then we'll do a feedback show after that. So two more for Season 1. Uh, but next week, we will be able to talk about this with the mole in context. I don't know. Are, I think I've laid out where, where I feel things are going are gonna to go, that it's either Catherine or Steven is the mole and Jim is the winner. That's my, my prediction. Is there, are there any questions to ask me? Is this is like the final time before I can say anything, or is that good enough? It's good enough for me, Josh. That's what the reveal is. We'll discuss those three. You know, you it's win, lose, or final execution, essentially. Although not quite in such a final victim. 
Does the uh, the non-winning finalist make any money? I think you get a stipend the same way like you're the runner-up. But I, I, I don't have that confirmed, but I assume like that's usually how that works. Okay. Yeah, but not anywhere near half a million dollars cool. or whatever the final total is. Right. All right. Well, get your get your feedback in Mole Patrol at robasawebsite.com for the next episode when we talk about everything that's going on there. But before we talk about everything there, I know we're going to talk about uh, we're going to take our own quiz. But before we even take our own quiz, let's talk about something else that's happening up on the reality TV half ups world. That's Love Island. It's the worldwide sensation, Love Island. Jess, it's back for season two in the United States. Are you aware of this? I know you're aware of this because you talked about it last week, too. I'm still as excited as I was last week. Yeah. Unique dating show. It gives you the power to vote for your favorites all season long. It airs on CBS starting Monday, August 24th. And guess what? That's already happened. Guess what? It's airing. It's every single night of the week except Wednesdays. Is that true? That's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is a titanic effort. It is like it is like Big Brother. Kind of. But more hooking up. And every single night, I mean, I guess, you know, you got to be grateful for all the new content you can get. Six nights a week is a is a is a real commitment. But if you're willing to take that plunge or even if you just want to hear people in the reality TV or Hap Ups Network talking about it to that level, we got you covered. Kirsten McKinnis and Brian Scowie, they've got coverage every Wednesday and Saturday with recaps that take the show even less seriously than it takes itself. And it sounds like it doesn't take itself very seriously at all. And Kirsten and Brian breaking it down twice a week as opposed to watching six episodes every single week. That feels more doable to me, Jess. I feel like if I'm going to commit to a show that airs six nights a week, I'm going to want some expert knowledge breaking it down and telling me about the details and the fine points of it. And you really couldn't ask for a better team than this one. Expert podcasters, Kirsten and Brian. So check that out. All this show podcasting, it's made possible with the support of the RHAP patrons. You can get access to our patron podcast feed, our Facebook, our Discord communities, and much more by visiting robhasawebsite.com slash patron. That's robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Teams. Now there are more ways to be a team with Microsoft Teams. Bring everyone together in one space with a new virtual room. Collaborate live, drawing, sharing, and building ideas with everyone on the same page. And make sure more of your team is seen and heard with up to 49 people on screen at once. Learn more about all the newest Teams features at Microsoft.com Teams. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are in your neighborhood, ready to help personalize your insurance. And you can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. Visit StateFarm.com today to get a great rate without sacrificing great service. That's StateFarm.com. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right. Time, time to take the test. Uh, I don't mm. remember. I don't know what the stats are, but Zed, I believe you and I uh, crushed Jess the other week. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, no, it was a two out of three, I think. It was two out of three. And I think like globally, you're still, um, I think you're tracking, you're batting about 500. It's not bad. I, hey, I baseball, that's excellent. Yeah, by baseball numbers, that's like unheard of. Usually like a great batter is like a high 300s, no? Yeah, that's right. 
See, I know stuff. Look at us knowing sports. Yeah, how about that? Good job. Yeah. Um, I I shows you have this week. You have eight correct out of seventeen so far. So. All right. So All yeah. right. Yeah. I feel, I feel, I feel good, good about that. All right. Let's, and I let's... feel I feel really good about your chances this week. I think we got some really funny ideas. Okay. Uh, I'm still waiting for something to be as genius as um, a chimpanzee choosing answers to written questions at random, but mm-hmm. we've got some good ones. Okay. Well, lay it on us. Uh, how many rounds this week? Three. We got three rounds, and right. I, I'm kind of sad. I feel like. This is, well, you know what? We'll do it next week, and then we will save. There's a final quiz about mole-related things that I will save for the feedback show. Um, and you can kind of use all the knowledge you've gained of the mole and kind of apply it all after we've gone through the entire series. So Remarkable. that's a good structure. So we'll have one more set of these questions next week. Okay, sounds good. All right, so we've got uh, two more shots to, to you know, we want we want a decisive win here, Zed. Of so, over fifty percent. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, game on. I feel like this this is a zero stakes game, and I like to keep it that way. All right. I like my steak well done while you enjoy your paella. Yeah, I I don't know. I that's another reason not to trust Charlie. If you, <laughs> if you can have paella or crappy well done hockey puck of steak, hockey puck. No. The real North American treat. Uh, hate it. Thanks. I hate it. All right. So I will recap the game because it's been a couple of weeks since we've done one of these. And the way it works is I'm going to read you descriptions of four television shows that aired on various networks and cable channels during the early aughts. And three of these reality programs are real and one of them is fake. And your task is to spot the fake. Okay. The mole. So, this week, our first theme is All in the Family. So, first up, we've got Who's Your Daddy, which aired in 2005 on Fox, because Fox is super classy like that. Mm -hmm. A young woman who had been adopted as an infant meets 25 men, one of whom is her biological father. 25! If she can identify him, she wins $100,000. But if another man convinces her to choose him, he wins. Holy shit. That's awful. That is so messed up. We've heard a lot of messed up. We've heard a lot of messed up concepts. That that, that is high on the list of the worst ones. Yeah, that's that's like lifetime trauma. All right. So... I'm declining to editorialize. I'm declining to editorialize because I'm not giving anything away. Next up, we have Beat the Parents, which (laughs) aired in 2006 on ABC. Siblings compete against their parents in a newlywed game style series of questions designed to see who truly knows their family best. Feels real and wholesome. So it's probably fake. (laughs) Probably not real. (laughs) Next up, uh, your number three option we have Meet My Folks aired in 2002 on NBC three singles compete to win a date by competing in challenges devised and judged by their date's parents including military style obstacle courses and lie detector tests oh god I'm almost yeah. positive that one's real it feels real 
And finally, so, Mama's. Oh, God, one. Oh, yep, fourth one. Finally, we've got Mama's Boys, which aired in 2008 on NBC. Three single guys are out to find love as they meet and mingle with 32 single women. The twist, the women will be sharing a house with the guy's moms. Zed, I want to pick the first one and I'm willing to get it wrong. I just want, I don't because, want to believe yeah. that's real. Yeah. I, I'll go. I agree. That's I, who, why, why would you sign up for that? Why would anyone sign up for that? I just, I like, that's, it's such a hard, like, I feel like the legality behind it, like, how do you make that show? I want to pick, what was it called again, Jess? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? <laughs> And what does he do? Yeah, in, in honor of the, the <laughs> kindergarten cop Charlie, let's uh, let's pick who's your daddy. If you agree, Zed. Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's it. I'm a cop, you idiot. Yeah. All right, so you are incorrect. That was that's real. Horrible. That's horrible. However, that's disgusting. However, I think we can have a little bit of redemption out of the fact that this series was canceled after one episode. It shouldn't have gone that far! It's true. It should not. But I think I feel a little bit better. Like, this was the era. I feel like there was a whole string of shows in, like, 2004, 2005 that they would, like, bring them to air and after one episode, if it was clear that they were just super shitty, they would just take them off the air right away. Disgusting. What a terrible... Oh, God. Awful. No, no, really, no wonder, ugh, really no awful. wonder we are where we are. Oh, my God. So, yeah, but- my, my only my like qualm about picking that one is, like, I don't think Jess could come up with something that terrible. Yeah. Come up with I know. funny, terrible things. That's just, like, emotionally painful. As somebody terrible. who has podcasts about the zombie apocalypse with Jess for hours and hours, I believe that it's within you, Jess. Yeah, I, there, I have come up with some terrible things. Some dark nothing shit. Nothing is terrible. And I will be fair that I'm not the only one coming up with these. I have a team now. Um, and in fact, the fake show from this set comes from a member of that team, one AJ Mass, who came up with the concept of Beat the Parents, which is yes. the fake show. Yes, yes. Uh, well, that's the wholesome one, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the wholesome one. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> AJ knew. Uh, the, the Beat My Guest host, AJ Mass. <laughs> all right, so your next category, Hire Me Please. And this is all shows people seeking to get jobs. So first up, we have Unearthed, which aired in 2006 on Animal Planet. Amateur documentary filmmakers from around the world converge in South Africa and compete in a series of challenges before their final films are judged to determine the next great wildlife filmmaker. Okay. Okay. We have American Candidate, which aired in 2004 on Showtime. Ten political activists earned their spot to compete on the show by running a campaign on Showtime's website. On the show itself, they participate in politics-themed challenges like giving speeches and creating ads, and each week they vote to eliminate one competitor. I mean, that just sounds like real life. Yeah, it it definitely wouldn't fly now. And we have Dream Job, which aired in 2004 on ESPN. Contestants compete to become the next anchor on SportsCenter. 
Five of the 10 finalists are now working hosts, commentators, or journalists on national networks. And finally, Carrot Top's Mad Props. (laughs) 2009. Carry on, on, carry on. It it broke Josh. Carrot Top broke Josh. Carrot Top's Mad Props. Carrot Top's Mad Props 2009 Spike TV. Always a classy joint. Stand-up comedian and actor Carrot Top hosts some of America and Canada's most talented aspiring comics in his Las Vegas comedy club. Each week, the joke testants hope to win the favor of the audience and the $5,000 prize. All right, Dream Job is real. Again, showing off the sports knowledge. I know Dream Job is real. And the number of famous people that came out of Dream Job. I'm I'm willing to give you that one. Yes. Um, So Dream Job is real. I believe I had a classmate who was on that. When was that again? 2005. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it was someone someone from Syracuse that I that I knew was on that. Um, or like knew through. Eh, it doesn't matter. New friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. Um, Carrot Top's Mad Props got to be real, right? That, like, I love that. I love it. Got to be real. Uh, so then there's the documentary film one on Animal Planet. And there's unearthed, and that was the documentary one. And what was the other? What was the second one? American oh, Candidate, the, the politics, politics one. one. Yeah. Hmm. It, there isn't really like a one of these things. This is not like the other. One thing that comes. What happens at the end of the politics one? Do they win? Um, they win. I don't think I said. I, I believe they. I don't, yes, I don't she's think having to make it up on the spot. That's the one. <laughs> That's it. Manchurian candy right. bread. Lock it in. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you going to say that one's the fake one? Oh, she doesn't want. Oh, no. We might be in a trap. Are we in a trap? <laughs> Have we been trapped? I was very confident. Now I've I've lost. You were very confident. No, I know, I know. I, I, maybe I'm just leading you down. Like maybe I'm just fomenting chaos here. She's walking us on a bridge blindfolded over a ladder. Rotate the hips. I don't know. I don't know. About eighteen inches wide, and you're gonna have to climb up and over. Can you read the description of the of the politics one again? Ten political activists earned their spot to compete on the show by running a campaign on Showtime's website. On the show itself, they participate in politics-themed challenges like giving speeches and creating ads, and each week they vote to eliminate one competitor. Hmm. But why? Yeah, I think it's fake. Yeah, let's let's stick with that one. Lock it in the candidate! All right, well, you're wrong again. No! I cannot believe you got this one wrong because it, it, the answer to me would have been very, very clear. Carrot Top's Mad Props? Yes! <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm not creative enough to come up with that. So I think we got to give we got to give Carrot Top's Mad Props 
to DJ LaBelle Klein for oh. coming up with that one. And the, the title alone oh, demonstrates why he is a creative genius for our times. Uh, the incredible DJ LaBelle Klein, who uh, had been hooking me up with the Mole Patrol quizzes to track my my thought process behind the mole all season long. Eventually, a couple weeks Pressure. ago, was like, was like, I think I'm going to stop because you just seem to be really all in on Catherine. It's like, I'm all in! So I haven't taken a quiz in a while. I'm all in on Catherine. Uh, that's great. D- uh, DJ LaBelle Klein, thank you for breaking me once again. Yeah, it's bad props. Not the, honestly, not the first time, and I hope not the last time. Honestly, it's like the energy that he was expending on giving you those quizzes, he can now funnel into coming up with fake shows for me, and we're all the better for it. <laughs> I mean, we just had a huge psychic blast of, of uh, big carrot top energy. Ugh. Well, We're answering the quiz for the reality we want. Yes. Not the reality yes. we've survived. All right. Okay. It's uh, be the fake reality you wish to see in the world. Yeah, that's yes. right. That's right. Yes. Bad props to Carrot Top's bad props. Yep. So I, I've been sitting on this one for a few weeks. I was just finding like the best time to drop it on you because this one is all animal themed challenges. And I feel like in keeping with the Hiche Hiche of it all. Yeah. I think now is the time to bring this out. So first up, we got Pet Star, which aired in 2002 on Animal Planet. Like a store or a hotline. I think it's supposed to be a play on Pet Store. Or an um, airplane. Yes. Well, Mario Lopez, a favorite of this quiz, hosts this Star Search style competition show in which a panel of celebrity judges evaluates trained animals and their best tricks. Okay. We have Groomer Has It which aired in 2008 on Animal Planet. <laughs> Dog groomers participate in two challenges each episode. The first challenge earns them a leg up in the elimination challenge. Oh and the ultimate winner is crowned the nation's best dog groomer. Okay. They crown the nation's best dog groomer each week? Well, I think it's a, I think every season they crown the nation's I best see. dog groomer. I it's see. not a weekly. It's a big profession. I think that you could, you know, and the styles are changing often, Zed. I think you could do it weekly. I mean, okay. you got to be current with the dog grooming yeah. trend. Yeah, you got to be hip to it. Yep. So, uh, Lassie's pet, but like you know, dog years are you know. Oh, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. Like yeah. every seven, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. seven times a year, those trends change. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Lassie's pet vet. It aired in 2007 on PBS. A celebrity veterinarian, together with legendary film star Lassie provide tips on pet care and heartwarming human interest stories about people's love for their pets. And finally, (laughs) and finally, Animal Athletes aired in 2009 on the Travel Channel. Host and animal lover Alicia Silverstone travels the world to introduce you to animal competitions you never knew existed, from rabbit agility courses in Denmark to ostrich races in South Africa. Ooh. (laughs) That sounds like fun television. I'm clueless on this one. That was an Alicia Silverstone joke brought to you by me, Josh. That's <laughs> um, if. I could be a farmer in these clothes. Uh, the names again, please. Yeah, and the pets. years and, and networks as well, please. All right. So demanding. Sorry. My goodness. All right. We have Pet Star 2002 on Animal Planet. Mm-hmm. Groomer Has It 2008 also on Animal Planet. 
Lassie's Pet Vet, 2007 on PBS, and Animal Athletes, 2009 on the Travel Channel. In like the spirit of Carrot Top's Mad Props, don't you think it's the Lassie one? Well, my, my, my question also is, is this just a dog that looks like Lassie? It can't be the actual Lassie. Why? Why not? Is that not too late, time-wise? I don't understand what you're driving at. Did something happen to Lassie? <laughs> Why is everything so funny? Is everything, is everything okay? Oh, no. Oh, no. Lassie's okay, right? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, Lassie's great. Okay. Something happened to Lassie. Who would but tell that's us? That's probably not the real show. Yeah, you would tell me. I would assume someone would let me know. There would be no one to alert us. Yeah. Something happened to Lassie. Yeah, imagine Lassie's totally fine. <laughs> Nothing's happened. So, which one are you picking? <laughs> We're playing a game. Chop, chop, man. Pie, pie. We got to move it along. Uh, hitchy, hitchy, hitchy. Ah, uh, oh. Baby Lassie's pet vet. Zed, where do you want? Do you want to? Do you want a thumbs up Lassie's pet vet or thumbs down Lassie's pet vet? I think Lassie's pet vet. Yeah, that's not real. Lassie's too big time for a reality show. She's too busy saving people's lives. Okay, so you're wrong. Oh boy, and your reasoning is weird because Lassie was around. Lassie was a show from the 1950s, right? And several movies from the 1960s. Yeah. Dogs do not live longer than about 15 years. And throughout the series of uh, television shows and films, I think there were like eight or nine lassies. Like they just replace them with this, you know, one that looks just like the other one. Um, and so apparently there's still a lassie in 2007, which kind of blows my mind because what has lassie been doing? There was the new lassie, but that was the 80s. I don't know. Is like, is it like a title? Is it like the Dread Pirate Roberts? So I want to get something straight here. You're telling me Lassie's dead? Um, I think certain incarnations of Lassie are dead. I don't know that I appreciate the cavalier way in which you delivered this news to me. Well, it's better than the way I told you Charlie was dead. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That was tough. That was tough. Oh, okay. So I, I'm looking this up now. So there was the first Lassie movie was in 1943. And there was a dog named Pal who played Lassie. And over the years, Pal's descendants have continued to play Lassie up into the present day. Oh, that's nice. And okay. there have okay. been gaps of up to about um, 15 or 16 years between Lassie events. And the last one was in 2005. So I would guess that, oh, and it was two Lassies playing the role, like switching off Mary-Kate and Ashley style. Um, and I guess those Lassies would have been the ones from this series. Okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better that at least it's like, you know. It's, it's the original DNA. It's legacy. It's some legacy. Yes. All right. So what was, was not right? Groomer has it? Um, no. Groomer has it. Very real. Um, the one that was fake, it was kind of, this one comes from me. It was me being the change I wish to see in the reality world because I would watch the hell out of animal athletes. Yeah, I would too. That would be fun. Yeah. I I stole the rabbit agility courses from The Amazing Race. Okay, got it. Because got it, the got it. best shot of any season of The Amazing Race is Phil Kogan introducing this task by standing in front of the camera, like cuddling a cute bunny <laughs> and talking about 
rabbit agility courses. So we have to get all of them right next week, Zed. Yeah, we're in bad shape now. Real bad shape. Today just a little. Flexing and here we go. It stinks. I don't like how it felt. It felt bad. It wasn't good. Um all right. Well we couldn't much like uh uh we were we were more like Charlie and, and Steve uh looking at art as opposed to Lorna Scott Fox. We couldn't spot the fake this week. Bad bad break for Wiggler and Brooklyn Zed. But we'll be back next week for one last shot. We'll also find out who the mole is. Everyone will know. We'll all be on the same page. Just to remind you, there's two episodes left in season one of The Mole. And while, yes, there are two episodes left in The Mole Patrol season one podcast, one of them will be a feedback show. The other one, which is happening next week, will be about the two remaining episodes of the show. So watch the next two episodes of The Mole Season 1, the final two episodes of The Mole Season 1. You are deputized to do that because we'll talk about it in full spoilerific detail from The Jump next week. It's the last time I won't know for sure whether or not I was right all along about Catherine or if Steve is a self-loathing mole or if Jim was just like a very obvious mole, which would be disappointing. And I don't think that's what's going to happen, but whatever. It could happen. Anything can happen next week. And we'll know for sure next week. Mole Patrol at Rob's website dot com for your feedback. Get that in, uh, especially and your mole offs. And your mole offs. We're we got a big delivery this week. Yeah, um, Aaron Robertson and Nick Fishman. Uh, I would be disappointed. Uh, Yes, but we want to hear from everybody. So please get those into us. Right now, it's going to be a very. Nick Fishman, Aaron Robinson dominated competition. Oh my God. Somebody else, please <laughs> submit some songs. If you've so submitted much. before, you are eligible to submit as many times as you want, unless your name is God. Aaron Robinson and Nick Fishman. No more, guys. No more. No more. <laughs> no mas. That's enough. All right. Anything else? How's Tough as Nails, Jess? Um, Tough as Nails is fantastic. It is really the feel good reality show of the summer. Um, no hyperbole there. And I would probably still be saying that if Phil Kogan hadn't just crashed our podcast and started showing up every week. Um, so I basically, I get to do a podcast with Phil Kogan and also the great Rob Sesternino and Mike Bloom. And there is nothing bad about that. It's wholesome entertainment. We're having a lot of fun with it. And you definitely, it's all on CBS All Access. So you could get caught up ahead of the finale this Wednesday. And I'm sad that it's the finale because we've had a lot of fun with it. I've, it's really been the second most awesome podcast I've done this summer. The first one being this one, of course. Very and I good. have an article <laughs> dropping about this very same show on primetimer.com probably cool. tomorrow or Wednesday. And I'll be tweeting that out at my Twitters. I also want to give a shout out to um, the great Mike Bloom, who is still due to get a survivor themed tattoo. Thanks to the money that we all raised um, collectively in support oh, of this. Yeah, yeah, a lifetime ago and slightly less than a lifetime ago. I actually got way too invested in this and started like drawing designs for his <laughs> tattoo, which we then counted down in a Brant Steele, crowdsourced some suggestions, found ones that would work as tattoos and put this all together in a Brant Steele, which is very on brand for Bloom and decided the winning tattoo. And now if you too want to have Bloom tats on your body, for the low, low price of $10, 
you can go to robiswebsite.com slash bloomcats and order them. And the designs are all me. I'm pretty happy with how they turned out. And you too can have Sir Squiddington on whatever part of the body He's you so, so desire. Unbelievable. So please, and all the money from that is going to continue to go to direct relief. So I would really love, I know it feels like a lifetime ago that we were raising money for direct relief because there was a crisis. And guess what? Crisis, crisis is bigger is now. The it's crisis still continues. going on. The crisis we still continues. need money. The crisis we still need continues. money for PPE. Yes. Like the, the crisis is not stopping. Can't stop, won't stop. So please uh, go on robinsonwebsite.com slash bloomtats. Pick up your limited edition run of Bloom Tats and do whatever you want with them. Put them on your body. As long as it's like a PG 13 rated part of your body, you can feel free to snap a picture of it and send it along. I would love to see it. Yeah. That's for the picture taking you're saying is the PG 13 part of your body. There's certain parts of your body. If you put the tattoo on it, I, I that's fine. That's your business. I don't want to know about it. Just don't want to know or see. Just don't want to know. Um, all right. Incredible. I'm glad that that's still going on and for a, a ridiculous thing for a great cause. Um, Zed, what's up? What you got going on? Not, not too much. The usual things. I'm here. I'm yelling on Twitter. I'm yelling out in the streets in New York City. If you live in New York and want to come to a protest that are still happening, you can join me. Uh, that's, re- that's really it. I'm, you know, out there trying to make democracy happen when I'm not here yelling about police on this podcast. I'm out <laughs> right. talking about police in real life. That's, that's really all of it. All right. Follow my friends on Twitter. Haymaker Hattie. That's Jess at Hard Rock Hope. That's Zed. I'm at Round Howard. We got a lot going on in post show recaps as well. The Lost Podcast will resume its episodic coverage this week with the cost of living. Uh, Lovecraft Country with myself, Kevin Mahadeo, and Latanya Starks is going to be getting into episode three this week. The Avatar Rewatch Podcast. Uh, that is happening as well with Zach and Jake. Uh, and we are going to be getting into Black Panther, uh, probably the first of a couple of podcasts on that front, given the tragic news of the great Chadwick Boseman's passing. Uh, Latanya will be joining Kevin and I for that conversation. Uh, so keep an ear out for all of that. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. One week away from talking about who the mole is of season one of a, a bright spot in this bleak time. Uh, I'm look. I'm really looking forward to next week. This has been such a fun ride. I can't wait to like finally know all of the stuff about this season. And then you get to come in fresh to a second season. Oh yeah! No spoilers, yeah. please. No spoilers. All right, everybody. We'll be back next week talking about who is the mole of season one. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.